Hello and welcome back to a special grand final edition of the Under Pressure podcast. Joining you as always is both myself, Matt Ellis, and of course, my little sidekick, Jake Barker. Welcome back, Jake. Thanks, Matt. I don't know if you call me a sidekick, but you know, each to their own, but uh, it's good to be here again. When I mean sidekick, I mean the Tom Tom Hawkins to my Jeremy Cameron sort of relationship that we'll hopefully see next season. Look, I'm not against, I'm definitely not against being a Jeremy Cameron or a Tom Hawkins, that's for sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But before we get into the grand final topic, I, I haven't even told, told you I'm putting this in the rundown. So it's a bit of a surprise. Last week, you were very critical about the Australian test captain, Tim Payne. And Tim Payne has responded in the best possible way with 100. One yeah. of the greats of one of the current greats of Australian cricket against one of the future up and coming stars in spin bowling ranks at the moment with Lloyd Pope. He made a hundred. To be honest, that's put everything to bed to me. I'm comfortable with Tim Payne as captain. You didn't seem as convinced as me last week in Tim Payne's ability to captain Australia. I'm hoping to hear that that has changed over the last seven days? Well, captaincy-wise, certainly nothing's changed. I think he's a fantastic captain, and that's what I said last week. I was just worried about his but batting you and how it's his, going. You questioned his, yeah, you questioned his spot within the team. Yeah, within because of his batting. I didn't question his captaincy. I questioned his batting. And, yes, yeah. he made 100. Good on him. Had, had played very well for his 100. It's always tough to make a ton. A ton in, in that those types of situations, but he's got to keep making runs. That that's the big thing from this. He started. He's got a good score on the board now. He's got to keep it going, and I think if he can do that, I'll feel a lot more confident in in my number seven going into a summer. Yep. Okay. Just wanted to address that at the top of the program, just because it was one of our big discussion points last week. But moving into our big discussion point this weekend we have a grand final an all victorian grand final played in queensland what are the chances we've got the mighty richmond footy club and we've got the equally as mighty geelong football club jake i think it's pointless for me to ask who you're tipping this week as we all know you are a pretty strong and out there Geelong supporter. So I'm not going to ask you who you think you're going to win because I don't think I'm going to get a non-emotional opinion from you. I think it'll be very, very true. Emotional, your decision. Yeah. Um, so let's just shift away from that. We know you're tipping Geelong and in fact, so am I. It's just something about them. I, I, I personally like a little bit of flair and fanball flamboyance is the reason why I'm actually going with Geelong, which wasn't the way I would have described Geelong at the start of the year, but it's how I'm describing them now. How is this, how is Geelong going to win this game of footy on the weekend? Uh, it's it, Partially it's going to, it's going to come down to the way the defense plays. I think in, in terms of how they play as a whole unit over the last couple of weeks, they've played as, a core group of guys instead of 
playing individually on their opponents. They're, they're helping each other out a lot more, which, which you can see by the low scores that Geelong have conceded over the last couple of weeks and which then um, relates to then rebounding off that, out of that back line into the forward line. And the reason Geelong have put on a couple of reasonably big scores in the last couple of weeks. I mean, albeit it's, they're, they're high scores, higher scores for this this type of season. So that's going to be that's going to be a key for sure. I, I think Geelong do have um, the defence to sort just, of go with. Sorry, could I just follow up, um, just ask before we move on to the next point? Yeah. Is that a defensive game plan that it can work against Richmond and their chaos football? Do you think, is, is that a game plan that you see still working for Richmond, against Richmond? I think if they can play it to the best of their abilities, then yeah, it, it certainly it's right up there with being able to go with anyone and and in a grand final. They've got the 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 right amount of guys down there to chop and change between between different forwards. They've got they've got a good good range and mix of different types of defenders. You've got you got your views who's who's your you your fast and your quick Quick defender. You got you Tom Stewart, who's a good user out of the out of the back line. Um, Colin Jasney can play tall or small, and I imagine when Dusty goes forward, Colin Jasney will take him. And I think that's a really good matchup. Nice and solid. Can work on the ground and in the air, so that'll be a nice matchup for for us when D- Dusty goes forward. And then you've got your, your key key talls in Henderson and Taylor, who I imagine will take. Lynch and Rewell, who are fantastic forwards, so it'll be hard. I don't want it to sound too much like a Geelong podcast. Obviously, Richmond have a lot of brilliant forwards like Lynch and, and Rewalt and Dusty when he goes down there. Castagna pops up there, Lambert as well. They've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot of dangerous dangerous players down there, so it it's going to be key in defence to to get that going, and especially with Dusty, I know. Last week against Port Adelaide, a lot of people were asking Ken Hinckley if they were going to put time into Dusty. And he was like, no, we're just going to beat him as a team. And, and it just goes to show that it doesn't quite work when it comes to Dusty. And I know, God help me, but I'm going to refer to Kane Corns here, which I don't really like doing, as Matt will know. Wow. I know that's a bit of this is this is this is a bit like this weekend. I'm supporting Geelong this weekend. It's happened once. It'll never happen again. It's the equivalent. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He said for weeks that you've got to send someone to Dusty, and it's a hundred percent right. You got to make him accountable for what he's doing, and that that's the big thing. And he and Kane Corns has been saying that for the last few weeks now, in all through this final series, and no one's done it yet. I just, I just hope that Geelong do something about it. I know we've got the defence to go with him in the forward line, but at stoppages and inside the mids, someone needs to be with him the whole time, whether they sacrifice their game. I, it, it's, it surprises me that no one's done it because, to be honest, putting someone on Dusty seems like the first thing you would do. It just seems logical. It, it's been amazing watching and not seeing someone do it. It's... I would almost say the biggest surprise this final series. Yeah, it probably is. It's just <laughs> for some reason people just keep 
underrating him or whatever they're doing and not wanting to tag him and it hasn't worked for anyone so far. So I, I do hope Geelong well, it sort realize. of works for Brisbane. It sort of worked for Brisbane. Sort of worked for Brisbane, you could say. Yeah, sort, yeah. No, that's that's fair. And and probably out of the out of the midfields that Richmond have played so far, these two are pretty close. I'd say up to the standard together. They're pretty they're pretty good midfields. Just thinking off the top of my head, I think you guys I know it's a cliche, the Paul Ruse attitude of it's your bottom six players win you the premiership on your list. Mm. And I actually can't think of a year that it applies to more than this year because you think you look you look up forwards, you've got like your your key pillars. Everyone every facet of the game, I think you break even. For example, Dusty and Danger, that's an even split. Cochin and Selwood, that's an even split. Lynch and Hawkins, that's a even split. I think across the whole ground, it's going to be the bottom six players that we need to flag because we know what those top 18 are going to deliver. And that's a pretty even contest. And for me, they just cancel each other out. Yeah, no, for sure. But I don't know about your maths there, Matt, 18 and 6, but we'll work on that later. But no, you're definitely definitely right. It's uh, it's definitely the bottom six players that, that certainly do win you that flag, for sure. Yes. I know. Yeah, it's, it's 100%. Big, big work week. <laughs> no, that's oh. all right. That's all right. That's all right. We're recording the podcast an hour later than we normally do. <laughs> and it's got me. <laughs> Um, nah, yeah. So yeah, in, in terms of in terms of all that, yeah, they do they do both match up on each other really, really well. So it'll be it'll be an interesting game and something that I'm looking forward to. Before we hit the record, we record button on this podcast, we we spoke a little bit about um, things that the commentators will say, but everyone knows so they don't need to say them. And two of them was, oh, did you know it's Gary Ablett's last game? And can Dusty win a third Norm Smith? Let's start off with the Norm Smith conversation for Dusty. What does he need to do to get a third Norm Smith? Well, I don't know if you should ask me that one because I don't have a great opinion on the last two. But <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he certainly he certainly has played well in grand finals. I, I do think the first one was very much should have been won by Bashar Hooli. And I know a lot of people would, would agree with me on that one. He, he should just, he should just have the one. I think he could have had none, but he should at least have the one, but he certainly is a big game player and there's no doubt that he's going to show up on Saturday night for sure. So he's not going to, he's not going to die wondering. He's a very committed player and will be ready to go. Certainly. So yeah, he can hundred percent win it on Saturday. Uh, Cause I imagine if, if Richmond are playing well, Dusty's playing well, and I know a lot of people love Dusty, so they'll be uh, they might give him that uh, extra vote just uh, just because he's done so done so much and so well for the game in the last four or five years. And the other side of that question was Gary Ablett, his last game on Saturday night, and I think like a lot of people who are the neutral observer, we're sort of tending to get on the cat's train um, because we want to see Gary Ablett walk off as a premiership player. 
Yeah, I, I mean, so does everyone. It's, I think when you when you have a guy like Gary Ablett who's played for so long, and this is this is go, this goes for any club, and I'm sure if they had a, a seasoned player that's played with them for years and years, they'd want them to go out on a high. And I know people aren't, people won't be, wouldn't be cynical about that. I think people are just, yeah, uh, it's not that they deserve it, but in a way, it is that they deserve it. It'd be nice for them to go yeah. up, go out on that on that moment, and it would be so special for them. I think after after this year as well, it's been a, a difficult year for him and his family, and then also retiring, and it, it's been a big year. So it would be nice to go out with a flag, but I'll certainly it's be getting. It's the sporting, it's the sporting romance that we want to see happen. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and it. I think it was 70s or 80s, Lee Matthews went out in a grand final and and unfortunately the Hawks got done that day. And I don't think it's really been a known thing to have have your career on the line by and known by everybody. I know a lot of people decide after a grand final that they do it, but no one has really said it before the season started. This is my last year and they go all the way to the grand final and, and win it. So it ha- there hasn't been too many of those and... Hopefully, Gaz can be one of the first to do it. It'll be a lovely way to end his career. Now, let's finish off. I want your winning team, which we know is Geelong. I want a margin, and I want a Norm Smith medalist. And I want a first goal. All right. So, obviously, going for Geelong. Uh, I think it'll be a bit like... The 09 grand final, if anyone remembers that, Geelong St Kilda, very tight throughout the whole game. And then there's a, a late goal that makes the margin two goals and then the siren will go. So it'll be very close towards the end. It'll be a goal, the difference. And then I think Geelong kick a, a last 10, 15 second goal to make it a, a 12 point margin. So it'll be close for the whole entire day. So I'm going with a Geelong by 12, 12 points. Uh, my Norm Smith, I'm going for, for, for my, my guy, Mitch Duncan. He's had a wonderful final series. Uh, he's currently leading the Gary Ayres medal, one, one vote ahead of Dusty. So he, I'd, love, I'd love for him to win that. He's, he's one of my favourite players at the moment, or if not my favourite player at the moment for Geelong. So that'd be really good to see. And my first goal, look... It's a bit cliched, but I'm going to go Gaz. I reckon he could do it. And that would just set up the game so big, I reckon. It would be amazing and would be a moment for the ages. So I'm going to hope and pray for, for Gaz for the first goal of the game. What about yourself, Matt? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Geelong. I'm also going to go with the 12-point margin. I, I, think, I, I think it'll be... Like you said, it'll be a goal late in the game that makes it a two-goal margin. I would probably would have said maybe with five, six minutes to go, just a little bit earlier in the final quarter, but I think you're, you're spot on with that. Um, Norm Smith medalist, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Dangerfield. I just feel like this game, he's been building it up, building it up, building it up. He's just going to run out there and cause havoc. Yeah, he really he, is. 
if Patrick if Patrick Dangerfield is running towards me on Saturday night, I am getting the hell out of the way. <laughs> and first goal scorer, probably a stupid question for me to ask because I hadn't actually got one. And I thought thinking very quickly off it, I've been really impressed with Gary Rowan last week. I he blew me away with the speed, and I, I, just, I just see. I always see a grand final starting with someone with speed. So I'm going to go with uh, Gary Rowan. I don't mind that. Very good. I think that's I think that's a good good tip there. We're going the Garys. All right. Yeah. The nice Gary, Gary early on. Here we go. No, that's now good. the yeah. other big bit from last weekend was obviously the Brownlow medal. Looked a little bit different to me, but. I'll be brutally honest. I actually thought it was really good, all things considered. I thought, I thought, yes, it was a shame that they couldn't have Nat Five to hand the medal over. I thought that was very disappointing that that couldn't happen. But I, but the over the whole thing, I actually thought it was a really brought together event. And boy, it felt a lot quicker having a few less rounds. It just felt a much more brought together, not drawn out over several hours. That if. If there is one benefit to a shorter season, it's the Brownlow Medal. Couldn't agree more. There, it, it didn't. It didn't drag on like a lot of Brownlow medals do. They they love to to keep you hanging, and sometimes they might do one round at a time towards the end, and it's it gets a bit it gets a bit much. But yeah, with the shortened season, it's uh, it's certainly made for quicker viewing, which was good for everyone, I think, and. It did yeah. look like a well-put-together night, as what you said before. And uh, um, Gil McLaughlin's really starting to get that tension building in his voice. He's just started to become that expert. It was all Brisbane L. Neil. He, he's really got that skill starting to build together. So well done, uh, our superb leader, Gil. Great night for um, Lockie Neil. I thought... I would have loved to have seen Petrarca get it <laughs> as a Melbourne supporter, but it wouldn't feel right because he wasn't the best player this year. It was Lockie Neal. He he had a superb year. Um, very well deserved. A few more votes than what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be around the, the 22s, 21s, not the 28s. So yeah, he, he ended up with thirty. Yeah, he ended up with thirty-one, and in, in a shortened season, that's that's insane. <laughs> Why am I thinking it was twenty-eight? He got he got three votes very late, so he may have got three votes in the last round. So you may have seen it <laughs> like that. Yeah, I th- yeah, that rings. A- but superb knock. Most vote uh, that would win most Brownlow medals in a normal year, let alone one with five less games. So. Great job, and great to see that the um the it's always my favorite bit of the Brownlow Medal. It's when the player has that moment with the coach, and that was a magical moment. After that was a magical moment on the night. I've got a bit of the hiccups right now. <laughs> that'll make that that'll make for fun listening. But yeah, no, it certainly was a, a brilliant night, and yeah, I think you're right in saying that it would have felt wrong if anyone else had actually won it. Would have been nice. Like obviously everyone's hoping that 
someone for their team would win the Brownlow medal, but it really would have felt wrong that Lockie Neal didn't win it because he was by far the most outstanding player this year. And I'm, and I'm glad the umpires recognised that for sure. And you had, I mean, Petrarca still, still polled really, really well. And I can only imagine he'll do that, do that in the future as well with 20 votes. Travis Boke, another wonderful year, 21 votes. He finished in second. And another up-and-comer that people don't really talk about is Jack Steele finishing with 20 votes. He, he was he's severe, He is severely underrated at the moment. I don't think a lot of people realise how good he is and how good he will be. He's going to lead that. Yeah. He's going to lead that club from the front in the next five, six years, and he, he'll push. He'll push them up into into that prelim prelim final game, grand final game before some, before due some- time. There's some really exciting stuff happening with sort of those sort of players um, taking that next step. We we keep thinking, oh, this will be the year that Bont and Pelly and Paddy Cripps take them, their their club to the next step. We've got, um, in my mind, Petrarca and Steele going to take that step next year. And even if you think back to last year, we all said that about Locking Neil this year, and he's probably been the first of those three to have done it. So... Congratulations to the Brisbane Lions and, of course, Lockie Neal on a well-deserved Brownlow medal. And unfortunately, to the other side of the footy world, with the news coming today that Reese Shaw and North Melbourne have officially um, come to the decision to mutually part ways. I think no matter whatever way you look at it, Jake, this is a really, really sad story. Yeah, you never like to see any anyone go through any go through hard times, and I'm sure that Reese has got a lot of support around him, and and he'll be he'll be on the mend, and he'll have those people that, as long as he can surround himself with good people, and and just I think it'll be better for him to to step away as, as he's done and take a load a load off and it might be good to just have a break for now. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back to football next year. I'd say he might have a year off and just, and let everything cool down and, and let him relax and, and enjoy life. So I think he might head down that direction, which will be good for him. Yeah. It's a real set, real sad story from the personal level. And it, it looks <clears throat> If you look at the bigger picture with North, there's so many question marks emerging on the future of North Melbourne as a footy club. I know Gil said at the start of the COVID period that it's 18 clubs going in, 18 clubs going out. And with Tasmania unlikely to get that 19th licence, the question is, should North move down south to Tasmania? I don't really have too much of an opinion on a team moving to Tasmania at the moment with everything going on. I'm sure it's something that they'll think about. I'm sure it's something they already think about, but I don't think it'll happen in the near future. It could happen in, in future years, but at the moment, in the, within the next two to five, it's definitely not happening then. So, Yeah, I, I see it as a 
a seven to ten year thing. I would be very surprised to see the kangaroos be still the North Melbourne kangaroos. I would expect them to be the Tassie kangaroos or the Tassie whatever in the next seven to ten years. It's we never want to see a footy team relocate. We've seen the troubles that that had with Fitzroy, but um, for me, I just I can't see a way out of it for North Melbourne. Um, I really wish that there was a more positive thing that we could say here, but it's been it's it's been a really sad year for North Melbourne. I I I feel for all North Melbourne people and and people within the club. You've lost a you've lost a coach who looked like he's been doing some great things, um, particularly last year um, coming in to replace Brad Scott. He looked a great coach and. Whenever you hear anyone talk about uh, Reshaw, you hear what a great coach he is, what a great uh, people person he is to lose him. And with so many players departing the club, I think it's something like 11 players were delisted. And then you add in likely Ben Brown, who's had a medical at the Melbourne footy club and people like Sean Higgins and, uh, uh, Jared Polek, who is all likely to leave the club, you really feel for their supporters. It's a tough time. It's been a tough year, um, regardless with COVID. But I feel for all the North Melbourne supporters out there. Yeah, it certainly is going to be a, a difficult point of time next few years for for North Melbourne and getting rid of all the all the players and people wanting to leave. And but you've always got the people there and and they're going to be nice and positive about things for the future. You're going to have young kids, draft picks, and you're going to have a lot of positivity in the club as well. So it's always good to look at that side as well, which a lot of North Melbourne fans I'm sure will do from, from a positive side. And I hope they look at the development of, of all the young players that they get and they'll be up the ladder in no time. They just need to, they need to go through this period at the moment, but you never know what, the next few years will bring who knows some you might get some players in the next couple of seasons so it's always always good to look on the positive side of things and i'm sure a lot of north melbourne fans will do that we're, we're just going to go through the a couple of trade things really quickly just sort of almost like a quick recap of i'm going to say a player's surname and you're going to say whether they're definitely going elsewhere and we and if they we don't know for sure where they're going elaborate on that so starting off with joe danaher who's obviously trying to get to brisbane good move for brisbane jake yep i think really positive move obviously they're not going to be too happy with the loss last week but getting joe joe danaher will will certainly help those help those things and unfortunately not for guys like daniel mcstay who's usually been that second forward he might turn into a bit of a swing man if if joe danaher does get to Brisbane, so it, I don't think working with that three tall forward line is going to be too amazing. So I think maybe a bit of a swing man for Daniel McStay if if he does choose to stay. No pun intended. And sticking with the uh, Essendon theme, Orazio Fantasia. So it's probably pretty obvious that he'll go to a South Australian club. Which South Australian club do you think you'll go to, Jake? Uh, yep. So I have read that. Fantasia, Fantasia, sorry, has nominated Port Adelaide as his club. 
So he will he will look to head over to the pair next season and uh, help them get one step further, I'm sure. And I don't know how much he will actually do within Port Adelaide. They do have a lot of small forward types. Guys like you got Motlop and you got Dersma who plays a bit half forward wing and you've got Butters who had a great year. So I don't know if it's the best club for him to go to if he wants games, but he has nominated Port Adelaide as his club of choice. I would have, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get a deal done and he still goes to the Crows. I wouldn't rule it out given that this has been um, a trade likely to happen for a number of years now. Now moving along to with the Adelaide theme, but on a player that's moving out of Adelaide compared to Orazio Fantasia, who could potentially be moving in with our Brad Crouch. Yeah, so with some other news that we'll mention later, yeah, Brad Crouch has now nominated St Kilda as his club of destination. Um, I think it's it's a strange fit. They do have a lot of mids already and a lot of mids that they want to grow and develop. I don't know if it's the best, the best choice for him, but they're certainly closer to the window than wherever else he could fit in. I don't think there's a lot of clubs that he could fit into at the moment. But, yeah, it's, it's, if he wants to contend, then picking a team that, that made it to a semi-final isn't the worst option for him. But I'm sure he's, very, he's, he's good enough to uh, warrant a spot in that St Kilda team. And you may see guys like Jack Billings, if he's not playing really well, you might see him in the seconds. And Brad, there's going to be some spots there up for grabs. But... Strange, strange decision, but can certainly see why. Yeah, I, for me, it's not exactly the type of player that St Kilda needs. They need a little bit more polish by foot, uh, by foot, not so much a brutally tough midfielder who can win the ball. In and so under, yeah. Surprise, in and under, surprising move. Just on a couple of players who are likely to head towards the Giants of all teams are Tom McDonald, the... Uh, the Melbourne swingman and uh, Braden Pruce, who's going to go there as a ruckman, as their sort of probably lead ruckman candidate. So um, uh, Shane Mummy Mumford can sort of be the backup option. Yeah, obviously a pretty good option for Braden Pruce. I was very confused of his move to Melbourne a few years ago. That bewildered me. I don't know why he actually came to Melbourne. Obviously, he would have learnt a lot after being the second Ruckman to arguably the best Ruckman at the time that he was playing under. So (laughs) he was playing under Goldstein, who was probably the best Ruckman at that time. He was playing under Max Gorn, who's arguably the best Ruckman over the last couple of years. And now he's going to go test the waters and go head-to-head with Mummy for for a spot in the team, which I'm I'm sure they'll, they'll share the duties at some point, but I hope that he can make it his team and finally get some solid games under his belt because you don't haven't seen much of him. In terms of Tom McDonald, again, we'll get to why that, that's a good move for the Giants. He'll he'll sit nicely in that forward line next to uh, Himmelberg and the other ones and Finlayson. Sorry, that I lost that one for a second. But yeah, those two two forwards with Finlayson might do a bit of second ruck 
duties. But yeah, he'll certainly fit down in that forward line and will be a good pairing for for both of them to go up there and they'll probably buy a place together and, you know, live together for a while. So Yeah, and just a couple of others that I'll just quickly reel off. Um, Mitch Hannon has requested a trade to the, the Kennel and the Dogs. So bit of a, as a Melbourne man, I'm a bit of a surprise. I, I thought Mitch Hannon would be one of our first few players picked. Ben Brown has undergone a medical with the Melbourne Footy Club today. So I would expect an announcement where he would nominate a trade to Melbourne in the coming days. And the big one, the one that I've been waiting all week to ask you, Jake, Jeremy Cameron to the Geelong Cats pairing up with Tom Hawkins, as I sort of alluded to in the intro. Wow. I mean, <laughs> there's a grand final to deal with, but early, I don't know, I think it was Monday, Monday morning or, sorry, Monday afternoon it would have been, when I saw that come through and I saw people tweeting about it and I saw, and then it started to build and build and build and then it was on the AFL Tonight on uh, KO and all, and Foxtel and whatnot. And it's happening. He's he's told GWS he's leaving and his preferred club of choice is Geelong. And I have no doubt that'll get done. I know Collingwood want to try and make a play at him, but I don't think he has any desire to actually go to Collingwood. I think uh, a deal with Geelong will get done. Geelong, as I don't know if many people would know, have three first rounders coming into this season. So they do have a lot to offer the Giants in terms of that. And they have a few up-and-coming players as well that they can certainly, Geelong, that is, have a, have a lot of young midfielders that would love some time and may be thrown into that deal as well. So I would say it's 95% going to happen that Jeremy, Jeremy Cameron will end up at the Cattery in 2021. And that's a, that's a sight to behold for me, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's something that... Um, last year, I would have, if you said to me, oh, Jeremy Cameron will be a cat in 2021, I would have, I would have personally said you were crazy and you were fantasizing because I, I, I honestly expected him to re-sign with the Giants. I, I, I think there have been reports that he absolutely hated hub life, which makes sense. He loves to go out into the bush. He loves to go fishing. And they're, they're all things that you can't really do when you're in a hub. So it makes sense that he he goes, I want to change. And if you look at clubs that offer the lifestyle that he wants, Geelong are the best footy club for, for that. So he, it's, I, I think, I, I, I'm going to be honest here, I says, and say, I think COVID has caused this, this change, which is a very debatable point, but I'm, I'm still in shock that he's leaving the Giants but it makes sense given his out-of-footy passions and enjoyment. Now, it would be wrong of us to uh, acknowledge it, it being a grand final edition podcast without briefly talking about the grand final that's on Sunday night that is also not in Victoria and in Sydney between the Melbourne Storms Storm and the Penrith Panthers. Yes, I was very keen for this one. I was looking forward to it all week. My weekend was all planned out with the Friday night, the Saturday night, and then the Sunday sport as well. So, yeah, sat down on the couch and saw the storm absolutely blitz the (laughs) Canberra Raiders in the first 15 minutes. 
scoring three tries, I was like, oh, wow, this is going well. And it happened within a blink of an eye. I was trying to watch the other preliminary final, but I couldn't take my eyes off the Melbourne Storm. They were just scoring try after try after try. If I, I felt like if I didn't watch, I'd miss something. So the Storm reeled off a quick 18 points and it was very going to be very difficult for Canberra to reel that back in from from even from the first 15 minutes, the storm ended up going up 22, 22 nil, I believe after scoring the next try. And that, you never really thought in the game that Canberra had much of a chance. So stormer into a, what is another grand final and it's going to be going to be a ripping one. And as you said, it's going to be against the Penrith Panthers who got through a tight one against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The, uh, they've got the master coach in Wayne Bennett. So I'm sure they were. It was a very, it was a very tight match. I will admit, and kind of, kind of in a way, these these two matches sort of reside with the AFL. There was a game that was a little bit of a blowout, and then, and then you had the game that was really tight and close. So, what did I say last week on the podcast, Jake? There's always one close prelim and one. Not so close. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's certainly how it was in, in both AFL and NRL. So it was yeah, it was certainly a tight game on Saturday night and apparently it's gonna be hard to beat. Although they only won this prelim by four points, they're still a very, very good outfit. And they're gonna be very hard to beat on Sunday. So I'll be certainly looking forward to that, getting the storm jersey on and Hopefully wearing the Geelong one underneath after a win on Saturday. So fingers crossed there. Hopefully I can get get one win this weekend. So, yeah, it's going to be a ripping game. Two best sides clearly in it. Two best sides throughout the whole season, it's, it's fair to say. And a lot, of, a lot of people would say, though, a lot of NRL journalists and things like that would, would certainly peg these two at the very top. And they finish one and two, so... Certainly makes sense why they're why they're both there, but sort of moving on slightly to in going into the game, Cameron Smith. Now he got he got chaired off last weekend at Suncorp Stadium, waving to the fans. He hasn't said anything publicly, but surely this says that his time is coming to an end after this game. Personally, I do think it is the end, but also wouldn't be against if he went around again. He's still a magnificent player. He won. But if he went around, if he goes around again, I would assume it would be at the Brisbane Broncos, not the Melbourne Storm. No, I still think he'd stay. I think still think he'd stay in the in the number nine jersey. He won best player in the number nine jersey this year, and I have no reason why he shouldn't stay at the Storm. I, he loves the club, and. I don't think he'd go anywhere personally for one season. I don't think he'd get anything out of it. He loves this group of players. He loves the coach, Craig Bellamy, and he loves what they do down at the Storm. And whether he goes somewhere and and coaches later on, I think that'll be fine. But in terms of playing next year, I would want him to stay at the Melbourne Storm, and I think he would as well. And he could definitely win the uh, Clive Churchill medal on Sunday. He's won one before. I mean... Sort of. <laughs> Won't go into that. The uh, 
those details of, of, of a past time, but he's played well in grand finals before, so I'd have no reason why he, he couldn't get the job done in another grand final. Hopefully it's not the end, but I kind of get the feeling that it might be. Kind of like the uh, the Gary Ablett end. How, how good would that be? Yeah. Oof, Gaz and Cameron Smith going out as premiership premiership players. What fantastic iconic, play, players in icon- their respective sports. And iconic players for Victorian sport with a bit of a Queensland asterisk or a giant Queensland asterisk next to Cam Smith, but he's a Victorian. He like uh, We probably lost all of Queensland after that comment, but um, he's a bit of a Victorian slash Queenslander. Now, you just wanted to briefly mention out the other premiership winners of the week in the uh, Super Netball. Yeah, so I sort of slightly mentioned my weekend last weekend, so it was a bit packed. So, yeah, on the on the Sunday after I got my Melbourne Storm and, and Geelong fix straight into their grannies, the uh, the Melbourne Vixens took on the West Coast Fever in the Super Netball Grand Final. And, geez, it was a tight game. I don't think it got to more than three or four goals the difference the whole game. It was It was a tight game. And not as, not as many two-pointers as I thought there would be, which is good for me because I'm not a massive fan of that and I won't get into that because I have before. But, yeah, it was another uh, ripping game and it was a great game to finish the season as well. It was a tight physical game and and it's been a really good season. I think they've done particularly well. No cases or anything like that reported. So it was a wonderful season and, and great to see two legends go out with a, with a premiership as well in Caitlin Thwaites and Tegan Phillips. So they're, they're finished their netball career. So it was great to see them go out on a high and in the, in the short competition that, that has been the Suncorp Super Netball, it's four years old now. Their Melbourne Vixens have won their first Super Netball premiership in this, in this, in this age. So it's good to see. It was, and hopefully another season just around the corner and a lot of uh, player in and player outs over the last week or so so i'm sure you'll all be hearing more about that in in future weeks to come and that just about do us for another week on the under pressure podcast please go out and check out our socials on both facebook and instagram simply look for the under pressure podcast on facebook and the under pressure one underscore on instagram and remember to please subscribe to our podcast on your from wherever you get your podcast from and we can't wait to see you on the next.